Hey, everybody. Welcome to the For the Youth podcast. I'm really excited about today's conversation with Jordan and Lane. I'm going to introduce them in just a second. Uh, But this whole podcast was kind of built out of this idea that there are some conversations that we haven't yet figured out how to have in church, right? And so we get to have them here on a podcast and you get to watch and listen and share with your friends that uh, might want to push back, might want to, uh, you know, learn a little, a thing or two themselves. So let me go ahead and introduce our guests for today. You're not really guests. You work here. Uh, you, you have to be here. It's Jordan Massey. Yeah. And so uh, you can drop all of the, the clapping emojis in the comments, whatever you want to do. Jordan uh, is our Southwest campus pastor. And he's a darn good one. You're my favorite campus pastor at this church. Well, thank you. Uh, well, we do have two campuses. Be well, careful there. But David's got like Just another. Just me over David. He's got a. <laughs> I mean, I did it. I did it. No, I'm joking. He's got like another asterisk on Yo, his title, I guess. Absolutely. He's the uh, singular pastor. Yes. And then this is Lane Morton, everybody. And Lane is a student at GHS. How you doing, Lane? I'm doing good. Good, good. Um, really glad to have both of you guys on here. Jordan is kind of our expert for today's conversation. Uh, Lane knows a lot of things too. I would say I'm the least intelligent person at this table. Um, and I don't know if the cameras can tell from this angle, but Lane looks really tall right now because yeah. your, your chair <laughs> yeah. is taller. Do you feel super tall? I do feel tall. I always gotcha. feel tall. So. Gotcha. Yeah, your mic, you have to like lean up uh, up against that mic because okay. you're so tall. Um, but Jordan is here to talk to us about an incredible topic and everybody's really going to be interested in essential oils. Yes. So <laughs> tell us about them. Which one's your favorite? Um, you know, all if, of the above. If Well, to begin with, yeah. when we're talking essential oils, mm-hmm. we're only talking young living. Of course. You know, if you have any other substitute, you're Knock really... Knock Yeah, you might as well just be rubbing water yeah. on your body. Yeah. But I found essential oils to be essential for all essentials <laughs> in life. So <laughs> Jordan has like some pretty strong feelings about essential oils. That's why I wanted to kind of, you know, poke the bear, so to speak, yeah. a little bit. Uh, do you use any kind of that stuff? The Lane? peppermint, like on the temples. Yeah. I had that at camp, actually. Somebody no gave way. me that at camp. It work? Yeah, kinda. Yeah. yeah kinda. It didn't not work. It I might mean, be like a, it like a placebo effect. Putting peppermint. Yeah. On your temples. If your goal mm-hmm. was to smell more peppermint, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I bet it worked. No, here's the funny thing. I think that they do they do help with some things. Yeah. But okay, here, here's the logic that stresses me out. When people are like, hey, those chemicals are toxic. Mm-hmm. You can't let that get on your body, right? And then they're like, use it to kill germs. And I'm like, if I can swallow it, I bet it's not killing germs. That's my rationale. <laughs> and, yeah. and I want, yeah, I want to be careful. I want to use some gloves maybe when I got some strong bleach. But I'm going to say, if, if I want to kill these germs, if I want them to die, mm-hmm. I want them to stay dead, yeah. I'm whipping out the bleach. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. is that you guys as well? No, you, I agree. You use some, from, some uh, no. super smelly, good smelling essential oil stuff cleaner? No. You know, every once in a while... Thieves is used in my house. Same, same. But when we really want to clean, when you really want to clean, we're not using thieves. We're, so you're, use, you're being reasonable. Okay, yeah. I'm tracking with you. We're yeah. a Clorox house, like oh, bleach amen. everywhere. Yeah. My amen. dad's a big clean freak. Like there bleach. you go. Yeah. You know, if it gets on some of your clothes, that's a bummer. But <laughs> there are no surviving germs in your house. That's not really what we're here to talk about. Uh, everyone's like, I thought this was about. It is about deconstruction. Yeah. Uh, which is you know and we, maybe we can circle back to. Essential oils. And how I think I think there will be a path. We'll find. You it. think so? Yeah. yeah. We'll okay. Maybe it. so. There's like, actually, this is a brilliant uh, analogy, and we're just gonna we're gonna explain that as we get a little further into the episode. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I was talking to Lane about this before. Um, sometimes, like, I th- I think Jordan, in your circle, in my circle, with like 
Christian ministry, pastors, churches, that whole deal. Um, Lang goes to church here, so she's in that circle a little bit. But it's it's a term that we hear a lot, mm-hmm. right? It's it's kind of become a Christian buzzword in a little bit, uh, or like a sort of non-Christian buzzword, depending yeah. on how yeah. you want to interpret it. Uh, but Lane, what, what's like your experience with that term? What is... I, I honestly hear it a little bit more and I go to a public high school. Mm-hmm. So I hear it a lot from people whose family is Christian or mm-hmm. who newly find out that I'm Christian. A lot of times they're like, yeah, I'm Christian. I've kind of deconstructed my faith. Or if I like, you know, say to belief, it's kind of a thing of like, oh yeah, I used to believe that, but you know, I kind of deconstructed and I think that's not, that's like outdated. Okay. That's gotcha. what I hear a lot. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I hear that word a lot, quite a bit in that same circle. Yeah. Um, but what we want to do with this conversation, uh, and, and, Jordan is going to help uh, tremendously with this. Uh, has done quite a bit of research on this issue. Is, is say, hey, what is deconstruction? Um, how do you, how how should someone with a biblical worldview respond to that? How does how should we respond with scripture to those? But most importantly, we, we're we're really not trying to win arguments, right? Yeah. We're not trying to you know ah, checkmate atheists. Yeah. Uh, but we're we're trying to say, how do you minister to somebody who is deconstructing or has deconstructed? Um, I think though, Jordan, it'd probably be most helpful if we start with just clearing the air and saying. What is deconstruction? Sure. You want to you help us understand that? Yeah, yeah, that let's, a little let's bit? dive in. And let me just say, to begin with, you know, I'm not an expert just because I like deconstruction. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is something that we are swimming in. Right. And one of the things we tried to do was equip our people at the Southwest Campus to have conversations with folks who have deconstructed. So right. we did a gospel, con- what we call a gospel conversation workshop. Just like, hey, here's some training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's what we need to know about deconstruction and how we can interact and engage with folks who have. So um, that's, I'm not an expert just because like I know a oh, lot of things. Oh, it's too late, man. I called you uh, an expert <laughs> so, on air. So. Yeah, so as we think about deconstruction, you know, one of the things we're going to find tricky with this conversation is there's several terms that are essential yeah. and nebulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is really important to understand and yet really kind of hard to get mm-hmm. our hands around. Right. Yeah. And, and Before we even describe it or define uh, deconstruction. I want to go ahead and like just give like a trigger warning to some of our people yeah. who are watching or listening. Like, take a deep breath because you might use some terms that they disagree with or that they want to push back on. Sure. And I think you're even going to explain that, that there are a lot of ways to explain it. Uh, but you know, Jordan might say, "Hey, this is what deconstruction is," and you might want to like flip the table and go, "I'm deconstructing right now, and that is not what I'm doing." Sure. And you're gonna you're gonna unpack that. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give talk, my man a break. We'll know? talk some about the difference between deconstruction and what I think is a healthy practice mm-hmm. in faith reforming and uh, and what that looks like. But also to say from the beginning, before we even provide a definition, every deconstruction story is different mm-hmm. and varies and people deconstruct for different reasons and their path looks different. I would say genuine deconstruction has the same end, which is eventually mm-hmm. kind of an abandonment of faith uh, or a particular type of faith. And, uh, but, uh, it's, it's different from person to person. But if we think about defining deconstruction, we have to go back in history and take a little history class here. I love history. And, uh, think about this guy named Jacques Derrida. So Jacques Derrida is a philosopher. He's a literary philosopher. So he, he's writing about philosophy, about literature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so thinking about text and how we read text and understand text. And so he comes up with this idea of deconstruction. And his theory is that we can't read any piece of literature, particularly older text. So he would say any scripture, right? Mm-hmm. We can't read any piece of literature and truly find truth because there 
truth is different than our truth. And how they communicate and the words they used are so contextually bound that we can't possibly faithfully interpret what they were trying to say. So what we can do is take this text and deconstruct it. We can take it apart. We can try to remove their cultural assumptions and presuppositions and the things that we don't share. We can impose our own cultural assumptions and presuppositions onto a text. And then what we can find is meaning. Now, Jacques not would truth, not truth, but meaning. Meaning. Okay. So Jacques would say we're never finding truth because uh, finding absolute truth is impossible, right? It's unobtainable because all he would say all pieces of literature and text are contextually bound and you just can't possibly do it. You can find meaning, but not truth. So that's kind of the, the basics of uh, literary philosophy that is deconstruction. And if I could p- explain it most simply, uh, I use this example of an old bowl of cereal. And Jacques Derrida would say uh, an old piece of literature like scripture is like an old bowl of cereal that you find. And there's things in that bowl that are no longer good, right? It's the milk. The milk is spoiled. It's rotten. You don't want to eat that. So you need to take it apart, right? Imagine pulling it out of the bowl and removing the spoiled rotten milk, which he would say that is the cultural assumptions and presuppositions and the things that the author presumes about reality. And then what you get to do is you get to pour your own milk in, your own cultural assumptions and presuppositions, and what you assume about reality, your own truth, you might say, and now you've made your own little bowl of cereal and you've found meaning. So that's like the most simple analogy that yeah. probably mm-hmm. is uh, reductive. And, and, and I'm just thinking that that cereal would still be gross. It'd like be I'm, disgusting. It's been soaking <laughs> in that rotten milk. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm majoring on some minors there. That's right. Uh, but Lane, are, are you agreeing? Like this, this guy's smart. Uh, he's, he's explaining this in a really great way. I'm trying mm-hmm. to make you blush. Thank you. I don't know if these cameras are going to pick uh, that up I or not. I think so. Uh, but no, seriously, before this episode got started, you were wearing a shirt and a, and a tie because yeah. we were at another event. I was like, dude, you got you to take the shirt and tie off because... <laughs> I'm already going to feel insecure, like I'm not smart enough to have this conversation with you. Uh, but that was a really great way to explain this in terms that I think everybody can can sure. grasp. And and maybe as you guys are watching or listening to this right now, you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know the word for it, but now I'm seeing that yeah. in some of my yeah. friends, the, the conversations that we're having, maybe I'm seeing that at my church, hopefully not. But um, I think you're, you're talking about you know finding meaning in text. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty... Uh, important aspect for us to understand when it comes to Christianity yeah. because we have a text that's pretty darn important to us. <laughs> yeah. uh, we call it the Bible and it's you know the central authoritative uh, text document that informs everything about our faith. Yeah. So um, I sound like we're, we're getting that rotten milk is getting on our Bible and yeah. it's, it's exactly. a little concerning, a little yeah. bit concerning. Yeah. Um, what were we saying? So I think like what you were saying, you know, as Christians, we have one text that we read and that's definitely something that I like, I like juggled when I first came to Christianity mm-hmm. is, you know, people tell you that the Bible is living. Like every time you read it, it says something different to you. So then when you're presented with that concept of like finding meaning in text, it's like, well, how do I find meaning in something that has a different meaning every time? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something very difficult. Anytime I have had conversations with people, whether or not they know they're deconstructing or not, yeah. it's like, you know, they're presenting their views and they're like, well, this is outdated or like, you know, maybe they thought this at the time, but the times are changing. Like, you know, I can, I right. can still be a 
follower of God and, you know, still kind of conform to the ways that the times are changing. And Yeah. I think I think part of the reason you're, you're saying, like, they might not even call it deconstruction. I think that's a term that's become mm. more popular recently. Yeah. But deconstruction, it this might not be true 100%. It must be, I might be warping this a little bit. Mm. But in a lot of ways, it, it seems to me like it's kind of applied postmodernism. It's like postmodernism, which said that, yeah. hey, there is no truth already. Now it's mm-hmm. put into action. Like we're actually doing it. We're actually like yeah. thinking and living life that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was kind of already sort of new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that somebody said, hey, I don't know if you can really find truth, particularly in the Bible, uh, that was already there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, that's the important distinction between truth and meaning as we think about deconstruction. And to be clear, we've yet to really provide a definition of what deconstruction yeah, <laughs> is today. You know, we're still talking about this kind of historical perspective, but you're so right, Lane, in that, uh, you know, we, we have to remind ourselves that while when we read scripture, the application changes mm-hmm. and the way that it speaks to us in that moment changes, that the truth of scripture is unchanging yeah. and absolute right. and exists outside of us. And uh, so, you know, if we think about, all right, so Jacques Derrida. I'm so glad you told me how to say his name because I was saying it Derrida. <laughs> and if I had said that on the mic, I mean, I just did. But if I'd said that, like, you know, innocently, yeah. you were like, Zach, uh, I'm going to tell you this. On air, I would, I'm glad you, you lovingly corrected me hey, off you're stage. So welcome. Yeah, thank I'm you for that. you, man. Yeah. Um, what did he say? Sorry. So, you know, if we, if we think about him, most people who are deconstructing have no idea who Jacques Derrida is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this is actually interesting. It's true for a lot of ways that society functions and operates is a lot of times there's things that are happening in the academy that's like highbrow, like no one's really paying attention or thinking about it until a hundred years later mm-hmm. when that kind of stuff has trickled mm-hmm. down into society and we no longer really know its origins or where it came from. We just have this word now and we're deconstructing. And so there are some similarities. I don't think it's a one-to-one if we think about mm-hmm. the literary philosophy of deconstruction and today's deconstruction. But there are some similarities. And so I would just point out a few as we get closer to a definition. Sure. Uh, so the first thing is, as you're kind of pointing towards with some of the, your friends and people mm-hmm. you interact with, there's a suspicion of previous interpretations of Scripture. Yeah. Because if you think about it, well, previous interpretations, those derived out of a different social cultural context, as you were saying. Yeah. I live in a new time with a different truth to impose onto mm-hmm. the text. And so I'm going to be suspicious of, you know, this guy who lived 1,500 years ago. Yeah, what he, does he know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's not living in 2022. He probably had an agenda <laughs> exactly. on top of that. Yeah, yeah, one that I don't have, right? I have no agenda. Right. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to impose yeah. my own truth uh, mm-hmm. onto it. Uh, so there's that. as That's in common. There's also this assumption that uh, truth is waiting to be found, but also a suspicion that it can't be, mm-hmm. right? And so Jacques Derrida would say, like, you can't find truth, that absolute truth, if it exists, is kind of unattainable and untranslatable. And uh, so with people who are deconstructing, there's kind of this new frontier mentality that, oh, we are the generation that's figuring mm-hmm. this out. And, and, and to be clear, I'm so proud of our generation and, and this upcoming yeah. generation. And I think our society is making major advancements. But there is what we call this kind of uh, anachronistic or a thinking negatively of mm-hmm. those who've gone before us, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I'm going to be the one who figures this right. out. You know, those who've gone before me. 2,000 years of church history yeah. and councils that met together yeah. to discern the meaning of the Bible. What do they know? Like, yeah. Uh, but because yeah. I live in my time, I get to impose my truth, and so I'm going out to find truth. And there's also this idea that truth is something that ultimately I find within. 
and that it's not something that exists outside of me that's absolute and certain mm-hmm. in this reality like a god, but it's something that is within me that I got to discover it and find it within myself. And then whatever I discover, I then impose on whatever I'm reading or what, whoever I'm interacting mm-hmm. with, the world around me. Right. So those are some of the similarities between what we would call like classical deconstruction and today's deconstruction. Like Derrida style mm-hmm. deconstruction and yeah. TikTok deconstruction exactly. uh, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I apologize. I'm, if, if you're uh, watching or listening right now, I'm not trying to be overly sarcastic. Uh, it's just kind of my personality. It's my love language in a lot of ways. Uh, but maybe you're watching or listening to this and you might be like, this is some deep stuff. You know, uh, last episode we did, we were talking about how to worship in public, which is very practical. And we, we it was a little bit theological, a little bit, you know, philosophical, but it was, it was not quite this deep. It was not particularly philosophical. Uh, we've had conversations about, you know, how to go from youth into college and, and you can go watch or listen to those episodes, but this one is a, a pretty different tone. And I think it's worth explaining like, Hey, why, why is it so important for us to talk about yeah. particularly with youth? You know, um, I, I, would you say that there's kind of like a profile or even like a demographic, uh, for someone who's deconstructing? Uh, is it something that has to do with like this generation or is it kind of anybody, yeah. anybody's game? Well, I think like if if you're going to try to pinpoint a generation, you'd probably hone in on millennials, okay. who seem to be the most common folks who are deconstructing. I think m- all generations are abandoning their faith, but it looks different. And and mm. many people in uh, the generation younger than millennials or the generations, uh, they're not really abandoning anything. Like mm-hmm. so many folks don't even grow up with right. Faith. They don't have something to abandon so in terms of faith. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing to deconstruct. Um, or, or folks who are older, like people of Generation X and older, they're leaving their faith, but it, to me, it's more kind of an apathetic leaving. It's not like this intentional process. It's just like, well, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not sure. involved, I, you know, and then eventually it's no longer a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you were saying, who's deconstructing? I think it's hard to create a profile because the stories look so different, right, right. but you'd probably get pretty close to the millennial generation mm-hmm. that is kind of overtly explicitly going through this process mm-hmm. but we we would be reductive to say that is the answer to right, the profile right. i mean you just said you're talking to some people in high school who, yeah. who are using those exact same terms yeah exactly yeah i used to believe that but i've kind of deconstructed my faith yeah, yeah. um and maybe they have like a different mm-hmm. brand of deconstruction even yeah. it's possible that there's some differences there but i just thought it'd be helpful for us to think about it because you know do you consider yourself a millennial? I mean, we're the same age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so I think most of the books that I've looked at, studies I've said, we're kind of like on the very bottom edge of millennials. Mm-hmm. There's a couple books that say we're Gen Z. I don't think we're Gen Z. I yeah. think we have some similar tendencies, uh, but then like everybody younger than me, so that's you. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe some of the people watching, maybe maybe some of the people who are watching are older. Uh, that's, that's Gen Z. So I, I think that it's it does seem to be something that maybe like you and I are selling to our younger brothers and sisters <laughs> and, and passing down in a little bit. We're on the same platforms in a lot of the, yeah. the time and we're sharing the same space. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's also interesting how things like this, they just become a cultural norm. And when something mm. becomes a cultural norm, it, ac- it actually loses a name. Yeah. So like there will be a point where people have deconstructed and they won't even know mm-hmm. like what deconstruction mm-hmm. is. It'll just be what's normal right. in, in their society and in their context. That's what I grew up with. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
we were we were contemplating in our English class. We were talking about like subcultures, and our teacher eventually she was listening to us talk, and she's like, "Okay, somebody define like subculture for me. Like, what are you guys thinking it is?" And like five different definitions came up, and it's definitely like you were saying, like once things become like a cultural norm, that kind of thing, they kind of lose a definition. Right. So when I'm talking to people who are like, "Oh no, I'm like I'm very Christian. I just don't I just don't believe that part of the Bible, like right. that kind of thing." It definitely does lose a definition, and even I, like, I have trouble identifying it, like, okay, well, is this person just kind of, like, exploring their faith, or is this something that I should talk to them about, mm-hmm. or, you know, it does lose definition yeah. a little bit. Yeah, there's but, some people I know that have even said, like, hey, I don't like calling myself a Christian. I'm going to say, like, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. I'm a follower of Jesus, because sometimes Christianity as a term can, you know, be mm-hmm. a sort of nebulous. Like, people have the different definitions. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I just don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God or that he rose from the dead. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah. kind of a big part of it. Yeah, like you were saying, with people who you know, some people are like, oh, I don't call myself a Christian, but you know, I love God, that kind of thing. I think there's also like misconceptions with what the church is, like you mm-hmm. know, people's past experience with churches, stuff like that. Like, I definitely have met a lot of people who are like, I love God, but I don't know if I would identify myself with a church or like with a denomination, yeah. that kind some of some skepticism of yeah. organized religion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're kind of like sneaking towards some some markers or some like yeah. identifiers. Yeah. How do you know? that you or somebody else you know is deconstructing. Yeah. What are some well, like indicators of that? Let me, before we jump to that, oh, sure. I just because I think you're kind of getting there as well, Lane, and then we'll talk about some key markers. Sure, sure. I would like to distinguish between what we call deconstruction and what, what I would call reformation and, and oh, reforming. Yeah. Because I think that's, that's important because there might even be people listening right now who are wondering, like, am I deconstructing? It, oh, like, no, am I sinning? <laughs> yeah, uh, am I, I going to yeah. like abandon my faith in the next few weeks? Yeah. And, and so for me, there is a healthy pathway within our faith that can sometimes look like deconstruction. Mm. And it looks like doubt. And it looks like asking hard questions. And it looks like it might have this posture of like critical analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm taking, I might feel like I'm taking apart my faith and I'm asking these questions. But there's a healthy pathway for that within faith to me, the difference between that and deconstruction is within faith, if I'm still practicing within my faith, then that means I still recognize that God is on the throne and God is the one who determines what is true and what is good, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm deconstructing, genuinely deconstructing, then I have placed myself on the throne, Mm. So I may be asking the same kind of questions, but my posture is now I am the one who mm. determines what is true and what is good. Remember, it's something I impose on reality, right. not something I find outside of myself. So I am the one who determines what is true and what is good, which ultimately means I've made myself God, right? Like wow. I've made myself the person on the throne. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage anyone who's going down a journey that may sound like the psalmist. Like mm-hmm. I, I think Psalm 89 is a really helpful text where the psalmist, if, if you read it, the first half is like this recitation of God's relationship with Israel. Like, oh God, you were so great and you were so faithful to your mm-hmm. people. And then it takes a sharp turn and the psalmist is like, hey, but where are you now, God? Yeah, you've abandoned us. Like, what's, what's the deal? What happened to that Davidic covenant thing mm-hmm. where you promised David his throne would be forever? Yeah, his throne's like literally burnt to mm-hmm. the ground and we're in Babylon. So... Mm-hmm. What's going on here, Lord? Right. And then the Psalm 89 ends with this posture of praising the faithfulness mm-hmm. of God. And so it seems like in the midst of those questions, 
that the psalmist still has a posture of, even if I don't like it, I'm just going to submit to right. the Even real if I don't authority. understand yeah. perfectly. If I don't understand it or I don't like it, I'm still going to submit to the reality that God is the one who mm-hmm. determines what is true and what is good. Yeah. So that's what I would say like for, for folks who are wondering, or maybe you're wondering as you're interacting with people, like, uh, are they Christian? And are, are they deconstructing? Or are they, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, are, are they processing their faith in a healthy right. way? The question mm-hmm. is, who is on the throne? I think a lot of times um, people get kind of skeptical whenever it sounds like somebody in a seat like yours and mine, Jordan, somebody who's a pastor is saying, hey, it's it's bad to ask questions. Yeah. And that's not what we're saying at all. Um, and some people are like, oh, of course you don't want ask, us asking questions because then we're going to find the truth. We're going to find out this whole thing is a sham. Um, you're, you're allowed to ask questions, and it's a good and healthy thing to ask questions and to examine your faith hmm. um, and to discern it. You know, uh, God commends the the Berean church for doing that exact same thing. Yeah. And, and as far as looking closely at the scripture and be like, hey, are we getting this right? You read it. You read it. Are, yeah. are we all getting the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in a lot of a lot of times we're, what, what's happening is we're t- tossing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're tossing uh, everything out and saying, you know, if it is a historic Orthodox Christian worldview, then it must be wrong and it, yeah. it must be burned down and we must rebuild something mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Um, so it's not wrong to ask questions. No. Um, it's and, a good thing. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately like I'll take the ownership uh, I being like collectively church leadership. You're speaking for every pastor ever right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that I think we we have failed so many people in providing mm-hmm. that space. And I think many people's deconstruction stories begin with a desire to reform and ask questions and doubt, mm-hmm. but they're not provided a space. Mm-hmm. So then they find a space for it, which isn't the church, isn't any type of healthy environment. Like, one of the more famous deconstruction stories is this couple, Michael and Lisa Gunger. Mm, and yep. uh, they were like big names in contemporary Christian music. And they had a child born with disability, like severe disabilities. And they began to doubt and ask questions. And their story, they don't say it this way, but it's totally their story. Their story is they went to their church leaders. They were in like a prosperity gospel church. They went to their church leaders and their church leaders were like, just have more faith. Mm. And so they went and found a community where they could ask those questions and it wasn't a, a community mm. of faith and now neither of them are christians mm. they've both completely deconstructed and are universalist right. and so i want to take the ownership in a lot yeah. of that and say we we can and should have done better in providing that space for reformation so it's a good thing to ask questions but we just got to be very careful how we uh, create a space for people to ask questions in a way that's healthy and constructive in a way that, you know, we're still putting God on the throne yeah. uh, is, is a good way to think about it. So how are some ways that you can identify that? What are some ways that you can identify it? And I think as we'll go along, we're going to continue to say, hey, this is what it is. This is what it isn't. It's good to ask questions. Correct. We're not shutting down questions. Yeah. Again, really nebulous, kind of hard to wrap our hands around. Right. We're going to keep trying to refocus. Uh, so uh, some key markers that if this is happening in your life or people around you, that may mean that God's not on the throne, and that, mm-hmm. that person is, or they might be deconstructing. Uh, so the first one, this kind of skepticism about the authenticity and reliability of Scripture. And so, is, is Scripture reliable? Like, is it really the inspired Word of God? Is it really infallible? Is it really inerrant? Like, those kinds of questions uh, can be key markers of a deconstruction process. And again, there's a healthy way to ask those questions, yeah. too. Um, 
an acceptance of historically unorthodox positions. So uh, folks who like affirm same-sex relationships or universalism, or like you said earlier, Jesus' resurrection was figurative, like wasn't right. in body. Like those are things that the church, for the vast majority of church history, right. like with very few anomalies, uh, have not agreed with. Right. And so if you begin agreeing with things that uh, millions and millions and millions of Christians throughout all of Christian history mm-hmm. would disagree with you, well, that might be a good reason right. to think maybe I'm deconstructing or maybe this person's deconstructing. There's it's a, not like it's not like hey you're an idiot and they're smarter than you. It's just like hey they 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 had church councils like yeah. the Council of Arles, the Council mm-hmm. of um, Nicaea, the Nicene yeah. Council. Like there was all kinds of uh, church fathers that spent like a long long time examining these things, and a lot of the ideas that we think are like brand new now. It's like, no, we dealt with that 1500 years ago. <laughs> yeah. We examined it. We tossed it out as heresy. Like, yeah. stop trying to pick it back up and run with it. Yeah. Uh, we're not a fan of that. Exactly. So. Uh, there's also a strong animosity toward evangelicals and, and the culture they foster. And there's another word that is nebulous. Evangelicals. And this hard to define in, in today's day, evangelical. What is an evangelical? Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that later if, if we want to. Um, a belief that truth is found within and not something external to us. So we already mm-hmm. talked about that. So any type of conversation about truth being relative or something I impose on reality, not something that I find within reality or mm-hmm. that is reality, then uh, that's a key marker of deconstruction. And then I, I really believe genuine deconstruction. Again, I'm the authority, not God, that the end of that path for all people who genuinely deconstruct is a total rejection of faith. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, uh, towards a definition, we're finally getting here, right? We asked that question yeah. like t- 20 minutes ago now. Uh, I think uh, Lisa Childers provides a, a helpful definition that I would uh, change to make it a little more helpful in my mind. So She's she, close. Close. Yeah, yeah. Close to helpful. Uh, so, deconstruction is the process, this is what she says, deconstruction is the process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with, where the type of faith you end up with embracing almost never resembles the Christianity you formerly knew. And so based on the distinction we've made here between deconstruction and reformation, I would change this definition to make it more absolute. That Mm -hmm. deconstruction is the process of systematically dissecting and rejecting, not often, and rejecting the beliefs you grew up with or the type of faith you end up with embracing never resembles, not almost, Mm -hmm. never resembles the Christianity you formerly knew. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to somebody who's like, hey, I deconstructed my faith and I'm in a healthier place, and I my, my, my faith is stronger now, and I'm more involved in my church. What yeah. would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, so I would just say, first of all, I would want to know, well, what do you mean by healthy? Mm-hmm. Like, what does right, that right, look right. like? And right. uh, what does involvement in your church look like? Uh, but also, I'd want to know, well, what do you mean by deconstruction? Like, right, what was that right. process like? Yeah. And mm-hmm. more likely, no, you reformed. And yeah, you reformed, you, and that's good. Yeah. Way to go. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to, uh, I've seen um, this guy named Brady Shear. You know some Brady yeah. Shear stuff. He's like, hey... I, I think actually deconstruction is a good job, good thing. I deconstructed them, um, and I'm stronger in my faith. So looky there. I'm like, I, I don't think you deconstructed. Yeah. No, no offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that you like inspected your faith. Like we said, that's something that we're all supposed to do. Um, but I, I'm kind of on the same page. If, yeah. if you're strong, if you're giving, <laughs> okay, if someone's deconstructing, why is it that when they're done deconstructing, they're never tithing more, they're never at <laughs> church more often, they're never volunteering more than they were before, they're never reading them praying, you know, reading the Bible and praying more often than they were before. Mm. They're usually, uh, usually, I'm, I'm generalizing here, this is mean, I'm sorry, but usually they're further away from the fruits of the Spirit and the, the mm. Christian disciplines that sure. God calls us to live yeah. by. Yeah, and I'm all for like redeeming words. I yeah. think there are words sure. that have been taken captive that we should redeem and repurpose. Mm-hmm. Deconstruction just isn't one of those words. Like mm-hmm. 
it's never meant something that we would want to affirm. So that's why I push back against like Christians who would say, I've deconstructed. It's like, well, why are we using that word when mm-hmm. we've got a perfectly good word right here? Right. Like re- reform. Like right. that's a part of our right. faith tradition. And um, so, yeah, I would disagree with, with old Brady boy as yeah. well. He's, he's right about a lot of things. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Yeah, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Well, I think reform, like especially being young and coming to Christianity at like that teenage age, I guess, like, I would think of reforming as maturity, maturing in yeah, your Christianity. Yeah. Like I know we talk about it all the time. I hope it was what we talked about at Westside, but it was, I think Kendall was talking about like baby Christians and that kind of yeah. thing. Not really referring to your age as a person, but referring to like, you know, how recently you came to Christianity and mm-hmm. like how much you'd say, you know, like I, my faith changed so much, even in just the past year. And that comes like you were saying, like some people who are deconstructing, it's, it's kind of awkward that like they aren't, praying more often they aren't in, mm-hmm. their, in their bible as often they aren't you know talking to god as often whereas when it comes to reforming like for me from my experience like that comes from more and more time with god and more and more time like outside of worldly opinions yeah. like that's where i experience the most change yeah and i've it's been cool because i'm your youth pastor i have like a front row seat to, hmm. to watching you grow and mm-hmm. mature and and i'd affirm that and so yeah. that's, that's really awesome yeah the only caveat i would add there is i do think we do have this thing, uh, some people have called it like a dark night of the soul. And I do think there are spots and seasons in our faith. And this is just like trying to think of everyone who might be listening. Sure, sure. And uh, I think there there is an anomalous, it's pretty rare, but I do think there are seasons where we still have that posture of God being on the throne, mm-hmm. but we don't feel his presence mm-hmm. yeah. really at all. Yes. And yeah. we feel this kind of absence of God. And I think the psalmist feels that. Yeah. It's like, where are you, mm-hmm. Lord? And um, so there may be folks listening who's like, man, I don't think I'm deconstructing, but I just like, I'm just so fatigued mm-hmm. with my quiet time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I like still, like God is still on the throne of my life, but like this is just really hard. And mm-hmm. so I do think that's with what you said, like, mm-hmm. yes. And mm-hmm. I do think there's this season that some folks have called like the dark night of the soul where God actually uh, eventually ends up teaching us the sweetness mm-hmm. of his presence by like temporary yeah. kind of what is per- perceived as absence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be what some folks are going through right now. And yeah. we just want to encourage you in that. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Yeah, like? I was going to say, after we had um, our sermon about uh, how, why is hell real or how is hell real, that kind yeah. of thing. I was talking to one of my friends. He's very new to Christianity or he's like, you know, kind of, like feeling it out, right. especially Baptist. Was that his first Wednesday? It might have been. It might have been, Wait, yeah. So he, before this, he's going to see this too. Before this, oh, he yeah. would ask like, um, you know, like how is hell real if God's loving? Like that kind of thing. So he's asking those questions. I'm like, you know, there are some things that he asked me. I'm like, I can't answer that. And I don't like you, you know, I'd love to connect you with people, but also like talk to God about it. And he's like, well, how do you hear from God? He's like, I've listened. And even my younger siblings who like mm-hmm. have been coming to VBS recently, stuff like that will ask me like, well, I don't hear from God. And it kind of like aggravates them, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's difficult. And I saw somebody say, and I, you know, I'd love to like explore the reality of this more. That's like, well, if somebody's right next to you or they're not going to scream at you, you know what I mean? Like you were mm. saying, kind of exploring like, you know, the value of God's presence. Um, and sometimes that does come in like, you know, him being quiet. Yeah. So I think that's very, that's like very difficult to navigate, especially Absolutely. as a new Christian. It is. Yeah. And especially, and, that, and that's a really great question for somebody who's new to Christianity mm-hmm. to be yeah. asking. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think sometimes like we, we get nervous pastors, at least I get nervous when someone who, you know, like you has grown up and they're growing in their faith they're growing in their faith. And then they start be like, well, actually I'm not so sure about this. And, and honestly, it's sometimes we respond like, no, no, no. 
why are you asking that question? Mm-hmm. You were doing so good. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's fear. It's like, yeah. no, we, no, we don't want to lose Lane. You know, we yeah. don't want her to, 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 to walk away from her faith. And so I think sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes as I've talked with, about this topic with people, I think sometimes I come across angry. Mm-hmm. And, and I, if, if you've ever watched that or, or expressed, seen that from me, I, I'm very sorry. Uh, but in the same way that like, if my son Maverick was walking out into the street, you know, he's one year old. If he's walking out into the street and I know he could get, just get creamed by a car, I am going to raise my voice. I'm going to shout at that kid. And I'm going to use, you know, the dad voice. It's coming out strong. And he might be like, dad hates me. Well, I, I, if he's alive, I'll have, exp- I'll have time to like unpack and explain how I don't hate him. But in that moment, I'm going to be like, stop, no, turn around. And, and I, I, I think some people, all they hear is anger. And that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And especially like, this is like really, really, really important mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we, that we get this right. And we have an understanding of man, how do we deal with these questions in a healthy way? Uh, because we're all going to ask them, all right? We're mm-hmm. either asking the questions or we're lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all asking the questions. Most of the questions that people who deconstruct are asking are questions I've asked as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's more about like that posture. And so when we see someone mm-hmm. with the posture that isn't healthy, it can be like... Concerning. Can, yeah. Very yeah. concerning because uh, that, that is a dangerous path. Of course. So we're getting closer and closer to We've got a definition now. Uh, We've got some markers of that, uh, of of what deconstruction is. Uh, We've been saying, hey, over and over, it's it's not bad to ask questions. It it, kind of depends on the heart of the question and, you know, the perspective, the posture of the question even. Uh, We want to do a good job of, you know, receiving those questions well ourselves. Um, I, I will, I, I do want to say this too. I think, you know, you're, you're saying, Hey, sometimes we just need to reform. And I think this is maybe a, a kind of, uh, reformation. I think some people, uh, you know, they get into their, their teens or their college years and they've, they spent a lot of time reading God's word. They've spent a lot of time, uh, examining the scriptures themselves and, ex- and, and experiencing God themselves. And, and they start saying some things that, that aren't heresy, but they're just not a part of the denomination of the church where they attend, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, we're, we're in a Baptist church, but I think there's some people, they start asking certain kinds of questions or they start, you know, using certain terms. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. I don't want you to leave. But like I, some of the things that you're saying are more charismatic in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh, an Assemblies of God church is, a, is, is, you know, they're saying some of the things, the same things that you're saying. They're uh, prioritizing some of the same things that you prioritize. And so I, I think sometimes like, uh, if we don't know what we're hearing, we just kind of shut it down. We're like, no, that's not biblical. Well, according to Southern Baptist or according to Methodist or according to, you know, your non-denominational church. But I think a lot of times you're like, Hey, there are actually like millions and millions and millions of Christians in other church expressions who do practice that, who do, you know, believe that. So they're not even like totally off the range. They're, they're just in a a different, you know, uh, subculture of Christianity (laughs) to go back to that word. Yeah. So, I was reading right before this, I was reading an article and it was, it was kind of on the side of like pro de- deconstruction. So one of the things that it said, and it, cause you brought up this word that reminded me of it. Um, they were talking about how biblical can be a controversial word for people who are deconstructing. And they were saying like, well, with talking about things being biblically accurate, accurate, like it brings up what they were saying is like toxic rigidity. I hope I said that right. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's something like you were saying, like sometimes we have ideas that just don't align with 
um, the denomination that we're in currently. Mm -hmm. So I did, that was actually a question I was going to ask was, you know, how do you address that kind of thing when people talk about like, well, there's just so many rules. Like Mm -hmm. how do I even apply to every single rule? It sounds like biblical is just a word that you use to shut down my opinions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jordan, you want to go first? You want me to take a swing at it? Yeah, no, I I can. You know, for me, I think there is toxic rigidity. Mm -hmm. And I think the example that, that Zach might be pointing towards here of, well, like, if you don't agree with the X, Y, and Z of my denomination, you aren't Christian. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, maybe I should consider the history of Christianity and recognize right. that, you know, mm-hmm. again, millions and millions of people have believed what you're saying. Right. And so, uh, for me, I think, like, a, a a good understanding of what the essentials of faith are, and and the not all rigidity is toxic, mm-hmm. right? We, we all have rigidity mm-hmm. to some extent, right. right? We have moral rigidity. I can't go into anyone's house and just kill them and it'd be like, oh, that's... That is so close-minded yeah. of you, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's what I do. Like, that's right. my morality and my truth and I, I'm going to do that. And mm-hmm. so, no, like, there's a line here. Everyone has rigidity. Mm-hmm. So there's a healthy rigidity in all things. Right. And for me, the healthy rigidity within our faith is the essentials of our faith. And actually, I would point back to like the Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say, let's look at these ancient creeds that 1,700 years ago, yeah. the church said, hey, these are the essentials. You believe this, you mm-hmm. are a Christian. You don't believe one of these, you aren't a Christian. Right. right? Like, it's all or or nothing. Exactly. And uh, so, so for me, there is healthy rigidity in every sphere of life. Mm-hmm. I've heard somebody describe those those terms or those the, the things on that list as like, hey, there are close-handed issues. And then there are open-handed yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. Like closed-handed issues would be like, hey, the divinity of Christ. He is fully God. He's fully man. He died on the cross for our sins. You know, an open-handed issue might be like uh, women in ministry. You yeah. know, the role of women yeah. in ministry. Can they preach? Can they be pastors? You know, um, I'm not saying that's not important. Uh, you know, sign gifts. Are we supposed to be speaking in tongues? Is that a sign of, you know, one thing or another? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's important, but it's a little bit more open-handed. Yeah. You know, uh, you want to talk, you want to say like Jesus didn't, literally raised from the dead like them's fighting words you know like Mm -hmm. yeah you you have wandered outside of anything resembling christianity you're not just in another denomination like you're gone (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i think like you were talking about it's okay to ask questions and at the same time there's also like something i remind myself of a lot when i was new in my faith is um coming at faith with a childlike perspective so Mm -hmm. i think that's where like the open and closed-handed issues come into play like you know with the close handed issues, that's where it kind of does. You have to fall back on faith a little bit. Cause like mm-hmm. you were saying, there's things like the divinity of God. Like it's kind of hard to question. That's kind of a place where it's like, as a person, am I even supposed to be able to answer that question for myself? Mm-hmm. Like that's something outside of my range of things that I can understand. But then when it comes to open handed questions, I think that's when it does come to play where it's like, it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. Like this it's is so- something, sometimes it's fun. It's yeah. something you should yeah. explore to like become yeah. comfortable with your faith. Basically. And honestly, I think like, you know, some people look at, there being all these different denominations as a problem. And mm. I think there is some unhealthy disunity in our, sure. in the church, but I think there also is kind of a beautiful diversity amongst Christians across the globe. And I think like, if, even if we think about Southern Baptists, because of what we believe with those open-handed issues, we have a different mindset and perspective and are able to do different things mm-hmm. than say assemblies of God or Presbyterians or Methodists. And, and I think that's actually a beautiful thing mm-hmm. that this kind of cacophony of all of God's people doing mm-hmm. different things with different passions and emphases mm-hmm. and what we prioritize. Um, so yeah, but just to go back to uh, when the toxic rigidity is used, it's often like all rigidity is toxic. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you don't actually, no one actually believes that. 
Um, you know, no one actually believes right. all rigidity, rigidity mm. is toxic. We're but supposed I, to drive the speed limit with yeah. our seatbelt on. Yeah. That's so rigid. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, archaic, uh, yeah, it's, it's outdated. So let me ask two more questions. And then I think that's going to help us to start like resolving the conversation and landing the plane, so to speak. But, uh, the first question is this, what are some common like stories? Like what are some reasons that people end up deconstructing? What, what brings them to that path? And then the second is, um, how can we as, uh, Christians who are, who are following Jesus, how can we love those people, minister to those people and point them towards Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've already pointed to a reason and I would say this reason kind of undergirds all of these is that oftentimes folks aren't given the space to ask those questions, to ask questions in a healthy way, in a healthy context within the confines of the faith community. And so I think with all of these, as we think about how do we minister, like I'd rather prevent (laughs) deconstruction than minister to someone who has deconstructed, Mm -hmm. though we want to do both. Um, So with all of those, let's provide that space. But some common reasons for deconstruction, I would point to four. The first is doubting the veracity or truthfulness of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so people begin to ask questions like, is it possible for the Bible to be without error? Or can Jesus's life, death, and resurrection be proven historically? Mm. Uh, some will ask, "How does Christianity reconcile modern evidence for evolution? Like, what is that? How does that work? Uh, why is Christianity true and all other religions are false?" So, all of these kinds of questions are questions that begin to pick at: Is Christianity true? Uh, is it is it is it voracious? Does it have veracity? Is it truthful? Other people ask the morality. They begin to doubt the morality of Christianity. So, it's not necessarily is it true? But like, is it good? Like Mm. it may be clear. It may be true. Some people even audaciously like have this posture of like, this is who God is and I hate him for it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And like this kind of rebellion towards God and doubting the morality. So some will ask, we've already pointed to this some, how can a good God create someone knowing they will spend eternity in hell? Right. That's a real question. People ask doubting morality. How can a good God allow suffering? Why would God keep two people who are in love from being married and having a happy life? How could God keep women from serving in any capacity Mm -hmm. in the local church? Why would God create me with a biological gender that I don't identify with? Mm -hmm. So all these questions aren't necessarily, is God true or is God real? But like, Mm -hmm. is God good? And we begin to question the morality of Christianity. So those are two things. They doubt the veracity, doubt the morality. With so many deconstruction stories, there's also just personal trauma and an experience mm. that leads someone to deconstruct. And so we, we were hearing these stories, unfortunately, more and more as of late. It's heartbreaking. You know, examples of sexual and physical abuse at the hands of church members or leaders, victims being silenced or paid off by corrupt church leadership, mm-hmm. like all this stuff. Harsh and abusive parenting that's done in the name of Jesus mm. can often be real toxic rigidity yeah. with parents that leads people to deconstruction. So there's so many stories of trauma or even just a traumatic life experience. Like I lost a parent or tragically, Mm -hmm. or I lost a sibling or something like that. That's just really hard that leads people down this journey. And then the fourth one I would point towards like misunderstandings in the first place, Mm -hmm. that there are some things where we just got off on the wrong foot and we didn't really understand Christianity. And we talked about evangelicalism, like conflating, 
evangelicalism as a historic religious movement that emphasizes conversion and the priority of the Bible and uh, and a relationship with Jesus, that historical religious movement, mm-hmm. conflating that with kind of modern politics and political yeah. evangelicalism. So there's that misunderstanding. Another common misunderstanding, I think, is like people think Christianity is, the goal of Christianity is to make you a good person. Mm. Like that's the primary goal to make you a good person. And so then people go like, yeah, but I know a bunch of Christians yeah. who are jerks. Right. So mm-hmm. I, if, if I'm going to turn into one of them, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to steer clear of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Or I know I know people who aren't Christians who are awesome. They're just like really mm-hmm. humble and kind and compassionate and mm-hmm. generous people. And so how could that be? So mm-hmm. that kind of misunderstanding of the purpose of Christianity in the first place leads me down a path of deconstructing because mm-hmm. my foundation was never good right. and, and worthwhile. So those are four. So doubting the veracity or the truthfulness, doubting the morality, personal experience or trauma, and then kind of a, com- mm-hmm. a misunderstanding in the first place. I think those are four really common reasons for deconstruction. I feel like we need to do like a whole episode on each of those issues. I'm like answering those questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some people might be watching and listening to that like, yes, please just, just keep <laughs> recording. We, we won't be here all day. Um, you know, I, I do want to point out, I think, I think a lot of those, they intersect. And, and I think a lot of times, Jordan, Lane, so many times um, we are hurt by a person in the church or we're, we're told something untrue uh, by a person by a church where maybe we feel betrayed by something, mm-hmm. someone in the church. And I think uh, one one piece of advice or a request I would make uh, of, of all of us is, you know, if I'm hurt by someone in the church, we need to make sure we, under, we, are, we process that accurately. Yep. Say, hey, mm-hmm. that person hurt me. Mm-hmm. Jesus did not hurt me. Yeah. Uh, God did not let me down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and maybe you're like a lot of people at those church did, but was it all of them? Yeah. Hopefully not. Probably not. Um, and so it, it wasn't historic Orthodox Christianity that has hurt you. It was, it was like you said, maybe a parent, yeah. maybe a, a pastor that you trusted. And that doesn't make that, that hurt less potent. Um, but how we respond to it uh, should, mm. should be a little bit more. Yeah precise and maybe that sounds i'm not trying to be sound uncompassionate yeah. i'm not trying to be trivial at all uh but i think that's at the root of of some of those issues mm-hmm. yeah and it's a compassionate response to say let's respond in a healthy way mm-hmm. because an unhealthy response to trauma it will lead to more trauma right and right. uh so i think that's uh helpful you also asked uh how do we minister to these folks yeah so let me just kind of rapid fire a few things sure, here, yeah. if that's okay mm-hmm that I think will be really helpful. The first and really most important thing is we have to just be good listeners. Mm. And part of this is like, don't caricaturize. Don't Mm. assume like all the TikTok folks you're watching who are using the hashtag deconstruction or hashtag like exvangelical, like that that's what a deconstructor is Mm -hmm. and what they're thinking. Honestly, most likely that person who posted that video is hurting way more Mm. than they're presenting themselves to be. Mm. So uh, just be a really good listener. And understand, uh, I, I like to encourage people to, in disagreement, actually achieve disagreement. We often mm. don't do that. Mm. It's like, I'm just waiting to say something when you're talking. I'm not actually listening. I'm creating a straw man of your argument. A straw man is like a version of your argument yeah. that's mm. really easy to blow over. Mm. We don't ever actually achieve disagreement. It's like, I don't yeah. even know what you're saying. Yeah. You don't know what We're I'm saying. We're just exchanging blows. Exactly. We're just like yelling at each other, taking so, turns. So one of the best things we can do is just learn to be a good listener. Yeah. Come up with some helpful questions, some follow-up questions. Keep asking. Be okay with spending a whole conversation not sharing what you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just taking the time mm-hmm. 
to just listen. So I think that's really important. The second thing I would encourage folks is like understand you're dealing with real hurt yeah. and pain. And because again, many people begin their deconstruction journey with trauma. That's why they started deconstructing. But the deconstruction process is hard. It's traumatic. Like imagine your whole life is built around this idea and this worldview. And now that's ripped from out uh, from underneath you. Mm. And you've got to sit down with your parents, if mm. your parents are believers, mm. and say, hey, that thing that's so important to you, it's essential yeah. to your life, that's not me anymore. Mm. And just the pain of that. Yeah. Some of those so, people are like, I don't want to be here either. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, exactly. Mm. So, so we need to care for them like people who are hurting. Uh, mm. That can be, you know, I encourage folks, learn uh, the, 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 who the Christian counselors are in mm. your mm. area, in your neighborhood, in your community. And, and, and be good at referring people to them. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I've, I found that to be helpful with people who have deconstructed, recognizing, hey, there might be some trauma here that I'm actually incapable because mm-hmm. I'm not an expert and giving you coping mechanisms and things that'll help you process this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so listen well, uh, recognize, and de- recognize you're dealing with someone who's hurting. Mm-hmm. I would also say, hey, like be informed on the issues that matter because they are. Yeah, right? they're doing their homework. Exactly. Yeah. Most people have yeah. deconstructed. It's not an apathetic kind of falling into it. It's an intentional process right. they've committed to. They've asked hard questions. They've found what they believe to be satisfying answers. Mm. And so we need to be good students mm. and and be, be good students of those issues that matter. There are some like key issues that you're going to hear a lot, like LGBTQ, mm-hmm. evolution, the trustworthiness of Scripture, but abuse if you really in the church, comes abuse up a in the lot, church, yeah. that kind of thing, uh, you know, the God's people doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, if you want to know what issues matter, go back to step one and just mm. listen to them, and, yeah. and they'll tell you what issues matter. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not an expert on it, then ask for time yeah. <laughs> to become yeah. an expert yeah. and and be informed. Can I, hey, can I go look up yeah. some of those things? Maybe mm-hmm. talk to my pastor or yeah. a trusted friend. And then I'll get back to you. And Abs- make sure you do follow up with them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want to leave somebody hanging. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And then the last thing I would say is just like model uh, an example of living that mm-hmm. is contrary to their caricature of Christianity or mm-hmm. evangelicalism. Yeah. It's like just like we come up with these cartoon versions of mm-hmm. deconstructors, and they're the angry yeah. TikTokers. Mm-hmm. They've done the same thing, most likely, yeah. with evangelicals. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the best things you can do is like be someone who's kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Prove that not all evangelicals are the boogeyman. Exactly. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, storming the Capitol. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I went there. I probably shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> um, but yeah. So just mm-hmm. by sometimes by you just having a, a kind, cordial conversation. Yeah. And not arguing with every word that mm-hmm. comes out of their mouth. You're yeah. like, hey, I'm kind of disproving their argument just by sitting here yeah exactly in yeah. some ways yeah. yeah and it's it's disarming too mm-hmm. like it's it's hard to be angry with someone who's like mm-hmm. not responding to your anger yeah <laughs> it's like just really kind yeah so those are just there's a few other things but those are just a few things that i would kind of rapid fire say hey here's some ways that we can uh love and serve these people again mm-hmm. it's not about winning an argument yeah right it's about like how can i be jesus to these people how can mm-hmm. i be like jesus who sees the crowd and his heart is his gut is turned with compassion mm. because mm. they're like shepherd they're like sheep without a shepherd, and my wow. response is one of compassion and care. It's like, oh, how can I love and serve you? Here's mm. a few ways I think folks can yeah. do that. That's so well said. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking? Like? I was saying I this morning my Bible study I was doing a thing a Bible study about like the fruits of the spirit that kind of thing. This morning was about gentleness and it was talking mm. about like seeing people through God's eyes and that was something that you know I had to pray for a lot 
was like you were saying like yeah. approaching people with like seeing the hurt in it and seeing like you know kind of asking for a little more of jesus in your response and a little bit less of you know what you'd like to say which right. is not something that comes not easily. responding the yeah. first yeah. time you're like oh i can't wait to tell yeah him, let him like you're saying yeah. like you get angry because you're like i know that like this is hurt for you like i know that this path is not like you know, this path is not something that's going to make you feel great. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we do want to respond in anger, yeah. but yeah, like seeing people that's through God's eyes. a great point. Eyes. And yeah. like even that text, I, I love this picture of Jesus seeing the crowds mm. and his his gut mm. turns because they're like, you know, I just mentioned this. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And what I think is so important about that is Jesus knows everything about every single one of those people right we see him do this all the time mm-hmm. like he he tells people what they're thinking he's like, he's like why are you, why are you have evil thoughts right now <laughs> exactly. stop thinking those evil thoughts <laughs> so jesus understands their evil mm-hmm. way better than anyone else yikes and jesus understands the full depravity of us and that person who's deconstructed better than you will like mm-hmm. he understands that like there there's real badness there yeah, yeah. and yet he died for them Wow. And yet us in our limited perspective, mm-hmm. we can only see surface level. Mm-hmm. We won't even have a conversation yeah. with yeah. them. And so for me, that's it's always convicting and challenging to keep yeah. that perspective in mind. Yeah, I think one last thing I wanted to say is so many times with this issue, it, it is something that's discussed in the public square, you know, on Instagram and, and TikTok and things like that. And, and, and in my experience, uh, I've tried, doesn't work. Uh, discussing that with an audience is usually not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, uh, And that's kind of true for all sin issues, you know, uh, philosophical issues, disagreements, because, you know, if, if, if I'm arguing with you, Jordan, and there's an audience, I'm, I'm really only like a little bit arguing with you. I'm mostly performing for the audience, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? And so in, in my experience, uh, a lot of times people are like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta jump on there and prove all the TikTokers wrong. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to, you're not going to win anybody over in the comment section. Yeah. yeah. And again, I'm saying this, being honest, I tried and <laughs> it doesn't work out well and you don't yeah. represent yourself well. So, yeah. for um, sure. anything else, Lane, Jordan, by way of our conversation today? No, I, I mean, the only thing I would say is just like, hey, if you're listening and you mm-hmm. feel like you're asking these kinds of questions, like find someone in our youth ministry to mm-hmm. find that healthy space yeah. for it. If you're listening and you've deconstructed or you are deconstructing, yeah. like I hope you hear that like we'd love to chat with you yeah. and like hear your story. Mm-hmm. But then also for those who are believers and you're following Jesus, like I would say, hey, you make it a matter of prayer. Yeah. that God brings these people your way mm-hmm. and that you can care for them and that you can love and serve them and share the gospel with them and let them see truth. Uh, that's not this thing that they've imposed on reality, but this thing that is real, that is Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that's just the only thing I would, that's so well said. Dude, I'm so glad that you came on yeah, the podcast. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, we've already got a plan to have Lane back again <laughs> okay. for a totally different topic. I won't spoil it and tell you what it is just yet, uh, but it's going to be good. We're having a lot of conversations here on this podcast that we haven't yet figured out how to have in church. Yeah. Uh, and so this has been a great way to dialogue. And I hope this I hope this strengthens the church. I hope that uh, you know if you're watching or listening right now, uh, you're able to address this topic in a way that's more gentle, uh, more informed, uh, more uh, biblically based. And so we hope that this has been a benefit to you. Make sure you subscribe to all the other stuff, like and subscribe, you know, whatever. Uh, But we'll see you in the next episode.